The Gospel according to Mark chapter number 4. We'll start reading in verse 21. And he said unto them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, and not to be set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was there anything kept secret, but it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said unto them, Take heed what you hear, with what measure you meet it, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he hath said to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and it rise night and day or rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be sown in the, that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he spake he not unto them and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. I'm preaching this morning on the prophet of the kingdom. Have you ever been expecting something great and then it didn't meet your expectations? When I was in high school, um, our football coach told us we were going to go meet Lou Holtz. And some of you might remember Lou Holtz, a famed Notre Dame football coach. And I was excited to meet him. And I thought, you know, maybe you get to go talk to him personally, maybe get to go um, get some insights from him, or, or all these things start going through our minds. We was talking about uh, what we might get to talk about with him and everything. Um, he was a pretty good distance away, so uh, we stayed all night at the school, actually. And they had a bus there waiting for us, and they woke us up in the middle of the night. We got on the bus. We made this long, long trip. To whatever town he was in, I can't even remember now. And we got there, we got there too late. And he was giving this speech and all this stuff was happening, and we got there in the last five minutes of the speech, we heard him talking, we, stand, we didn't even get to sit down, we were standing in the hallway and looked through the hallway door and saw him up on the stage just long enough to hear the last five minutes of the speech. He said goodbye, turned around, walked out the back door and got in the car and left. <laughs> Well, that was a long trip home. We were really disappointed because we had set our expectations so high on what we anticipated was going to happen, and it was just a total, um, totally different scenario than what we thought. That happens a lot of times. We have expectations of what we think is going to happen, 
And then it happens and we get really disappointed. For centuries, the Jews were looking for their Messiah. And they would look at different scriptures where he would come like in Psalm 2 and rule the Gentiles with a rod of iron. That he would crush the enemies. That he would bring forth uh, times of, of healing and times of blessing. Times where uh, all people would submit to the holy word of God and, and would come and offer their sacrifices un, unto the Lord there in Jerusalem where from the king, from the throne of Jerusalem, all the world would be under its dominion. And the scriptures tell us that and we read that in the Old Testament. They had an expectation of what was going to happen when the Messiah came. And when Jesus came, it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. When Jesus came, they said, well, this is not what we expected. This is not what we think is going to happen. And many of them, because of that, stumbled at the king who they said they were waiting for. Though it may not seem like it, the kingdom of God shall prevail. And all who hearken and believe in the Lord Jesus shall enter in. And what Jesus is saying here is he's explaining how the kingdom of God is. And, and some people say that, that it was upside down from everything that they thought the Jews would believe. Uh, I read one man said it wasn't that Jesus' kingdom was upside down from what the world expected. It was Jesus came and he was right side up. It was everybody else that was upside down. And though it may have not met what their expectation was, Surely, and indeed, it was far superior than what they even understood. The kingdom of God was more than just a strong man who puts the Romans in their place. And so what Jesus does in this parable is he teaches his disciples. And for us this morning, I believe this will give us encouragement in a dark world, hope in times where it looks like Everything is falling apart and confidence in the promises of our king. Because all things are happening exactly like he planned and exactly like he foretold. So if we back up just a little bit and read verses 1 and 2, it says, And he began to teach by the seaside, and there were gathered unto him great multitude." So that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, hearken. So Jesus taught the people by parables, by stories, stories that had a point to them. So his doctrine is being revealed by these parables. So he tells a story about a guy who's planting seed. The seeds fall in every which direction. He was this this sower in the story. It was a farmer about like I'm a farmer, I think. Because he was sowing seed and it was falling on the path and it was falling in the briars. It was falling on the stony ground. And some of it fell among thorns. And, and some of it fell among the good ground and that grew. The seed that was falling every which direction, it got burned up by the sun, got choked out by the weeds, had no root and didn't grow at all. People thought, well, that's a good story. And 
Most of them just went along. But his disciples later on met with him and said, Jesus, we don't understand what you're talking about. I mean, we understand the story, but there's got to be a point to it. And that point just went over our heads. We'll look in verse 10. It says, And when he was alone, they that were with him, about the twelve, asked him of the parable. And he said unto him, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said, Know ye not this parable? How then we know all parables? So Jesus explained the parable to him. said, the sower is the word. Those that fell on the wayside, it's like when you hear the word and Satan comes and takes it out of your heart before it can even grow. Those that fall on the stony ground have no root. So when times of trouble come, persecution comes, they fall away because they were glad to hear it when all things were going well, but when things go bad, the word of God wasn't there to, to settled and rooted in their heart. There's some that are in the thorns that are okay with the word of God and okay with, with the doctrine of Jesus and the gospel, and, but the cares of the world choke it out. He said, but those who fall on good ground, those are the ones it, it, it roots in their heart and it produces fruit in them. So he explains that, that parable to them. And they say, oh, okay, now we understand. Now, now we get it. That, that you're, you're telling us these parables about how we grow in the kingdom and how the kingdom takes root. The gospel and the word of God takes root in people's hearts. Jesus says, the, the, he says, this is why I teach in the parables. So that those who hear will hear, but those who have not chosen, they are not going to hear. This is the plan and the purpose. Unto you, disciples, it's known, given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Because right now it's a mystery. Not because the Old Testament doesn't speak of the kingdom, but how the kingdom comes, who the king is. How the kingdom will spread. That's the mystery that the disciples and all the people really didn't understand. That there's more to this kingdom than just somebody coming and setting up shop and ruling a nation well. The knowledge of this mystery isn't tied to citizenship or it's not tied to getting a good job in the administration. We're getting to sit on the left hand or the right hand of Jesus. But it's tied to conversion and the forgiveness of sins. Notice that. That's what he said. It's given unto you to know the mystery of the kingdom. And he says that it's withheld from those that they that seeing and hearing, they're not going to understand it lest they should be converted and their sins be forgiven. So Jesus is saying this knowledge of the kingdom. It's not about just knowing the timetables. 
But it's about everlasting life and the forgiveness of sins. It's not about a culture war. It's not about getting more knowledge of the Bible. It's about the king. It's about knowing Jesus. It's about everlasting life. This has been the message from the very start. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee. In Mark 1.14, it says, He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. The kingdom is at hand. And what's the appropriate response? Repent and believe the gospel. Believe and trust in the king. Turn from your sins and turn unto the king. Look to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He is the king. He is the Lord. He is the the mystery of the kingdom. In another place, Jesus tells Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's a funny kind of kingdom, isn't it? That you can't see it? That, I mean, if you go to Washington, D.C., you can see all the buildings, and you can see the Capitol and the Supreme Court building, and um, you can see the White House, and you can see uh, the, the legislation. You can see the motions of government. In, in, ta- in, in working order. But Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see this kingdom of God. You can't perceive it. You can't know it. And he's telling these people, it's given unto you to know this mystery. And those who don't know it can't see it. Those who can't see it can't understand it. Because if they did, they would be converted and their sins would be forgiven. So this mystery is tied to, to eternal life, to salvation. And it was given unto the people of God to know this mystery. And so what Jesus does is in parables, continuing in parables, he, he further illustrates what this is all about. And the first one is the word of the kingdom. In verses 21 and 25, he gives us a little parable about the word of the kingdom. So he says, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? Well, being in this part of the country, at least me and my family know about not having electricity. We know what it's like to, uh, to sit in the dark. And unless you have a generator, you're familiar with this too. And being in the dark, especially in the wintertime and at 6 o'clock, in the evening and you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can either sit there in the dark, you can go to bed, or you can go and get some artificial light. Well, what do you do with the light? Do you turn it on and put it underneath the bed? No. Um, You get it out so you can shine light. But is that a good place for a flashlight to be hidden? Well, it depends. Because immediately we think about Jesus in the, you might be thinking about him in the Sermon on the Mount and said, let your light shine before men. But that's not what, it's not the same parable, it's not the same illustration. It really depends. Because the ultimate purpose of this light is for it to shine. That's why a flashlight's made to shine. That's why a candle is made to shine and to be put on a candlestick. It's not, it's not made to be hidden in a basket or put under the bed. But remember what we just read. It was hidden. 
He said, unto you it is known to, to be, or is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that were without, all things are done in parables that seeing they may see and not perceive. Jesus saying it is hidden. Currently, it was hidden. And then verse 22 adds to that, for there is nothing hid that shall not be made manifest, neither was anything kept secret that it should come abroad. So currently, the, myster- the mysterious uh, nature of the kingdom was hid from the vast majority of the people around him. But nothing that was hid or is hid will remain in hiding. So a flashlight under the bed might be a good idea. That way when the lights go out, you know where to go look for it, right? I have a place where I keep my flashlight. So when the lights do go out and it's dark, I don't have to have a flashlight to go find my flashlight. I don't have to get a lighter and walk in with the that and look under and every which way to find my lights. It's in a certain place, so when the lights go out, I know where it's at. It was hidden on purpose. So when the time that, it, that it's needed, then you bring it out. Well, currently, this candle that's not meant to be hidden is hidden in a mystery. But Jesus said there's nothing that is hidden that's not going to be made manifest. or well, nothing that wasn't hid, past tense. So he's saying that that the purpose of these parables, the purpose of this teaching is to shine the light, to put it on the candlestick, and that this mystery would be revealed when the time is right. Jesus is explaining that the mystery of the kingdom is going to shine. It's going to be put on the candlestick. Jesus is declaring the, the, the gospel of the kingdom of God. There was nothing that was mysterious from the prophetic word which won't be uncovered and made known. We have the light of the New Testament that shines back on the Old Testament. And there are things in the Old Testament that we can see clearly now. That our brothers and sisters in the Old Testament times saw and it was a great mystery. Isaiah 53 may have been a great mystery for the people of God. Psalm 22 may have been a great mystery on how all these things were going to work out. Peter tells us that the Old Testament prophets looked into their own writings. Because this mysterious nature of the kingdom had not been fully revealed. That candle that was made to shine, it wasn't time for it to shine out that 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 truth of the kingdom would be revealed to them. But Jesus said there's nothing that was there that won't be opened and revealed and made known. If you have ears to hear, listen and understand it this morning. Take heed on this. Meditate on what Christ says. Listen and pray and learn and even more will be given. But to those that hear and ignore, even that will be taken away. I was talking to somebody um, last week, and I said, sometimes I not even have all the answers, I don't even know all the questions that, 
that there's more there than, than I can even perceive and don't even know uh, the, the questions that come up, let alone all things. But if we hearken unto Christ and hearken unto his word and have ears to hear and listen and understand and meditate and, and come to Christ, then more will be given as, as he told the, the disciples. Understand that all this happens according to the plan and the purposes of God. The Old Testament happened according to God's plan. If you know about Jeremiah's life or Ezekiel's life or Isaiah's life, you know that it wasn't fun times for them to live and to be prophets. Jeremiah certainly didn't live like a prosperity gospel preacher in a big palace and... um, with all of his health and wealth. And we're talking persecution, in prison, thrown in dungeons. Um, the Jewish tradition says Isaiah was cut in half as he was persecuted. All this happened according to God's plan. The word that they had was according to God's plan. The nature and the progressive revelation of Scripture is according to God's plan. That it started there with that promise in the Garden of Eden. And then there was more light given to Enoch and and to Noah. And then to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. More light given to Moses, the prophet. And then through the prophets and, and in David and all through the, the, the prophets of the Old Testament and the Psalms and the, the poetic and wisdom literature, more and more and more light was given to them uh, progressively. And they had all this pointing to the Messiah. And then Jesus comes and says, the kingdom is at hand. And he declares the gospel of the kingdom. And it wasn't what they expected. And Jesus says to those who, who had but don't hear, even that's going to be taken away from them. Even that knowledge that they had that they thought was, was, was going to be their salvation, even that was taken away from them because they didn't see Christ. The laws did them nothing. Understanding prophecies did them nothing. Knowing Proverbs did them nothing. Knowing Psalms did them nothing if they didn't see Christ. But those who saw Christ Unto them it was to know the mystery of the, the, the kingdom. And more and more and more was added. The revelation of these truths and the way that Jesus taught them is going right along with God's plan. Eventually, some of these Jewish people just say, will say, well, just tell us plainly. Just tell us plainly, are you the Christ? And Jesus, Jesus told them. And showed them and proved them. And the scriptures proved them. But they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. They could not perceive. They did not understand. You this morning who have heard the gospel and hearkened unto Jesus. You heard in the day and the hour when God planned and purposed that. Some people say, boy, I wish the Lord would have saved me whenever I was much younger. But that wasn't according to God's plan and purpose for for your life. You heard and hearkened unto Jesus in the day and the hour when God planned and purposed it. 
The disciples were confused. The scribes were wrong. Half the people, half the time, didn't even know what to think. Things were happening that nobody was sure what was happening. But Jesus Christ was in control. Not only did Jesus know, but it was all happening right on schedule. Right according to plan. Why didn't Jesus go and do it this way or that way or call different people or, or go into Jerusalem and just uh, show a big sign? No, it's happening according uh, to the plan um, of redemption. See, the, the, everyone was expecting one thing, but Jesus said, actually, it's quite the other. This is the way that the Lord has planned and ordained the beginning of his kingdom. This plan was to come and suffer and die for his people. And it reminds us this morning that the Lord Jesus loves his own with an everlasting love. This plan that took that began before the foundation of the world, first promised in the Garden of Eden, and progressively expanded until we get to the time of Jesus Christ and fulfilled in his death, burial, and resurrection reminds us that the Lord loves us with this everlasting love. The plan is in place, and he's going to see it through. From 2,000 years away from where Jesus was teaching this, we see that the Lord is true. We see that he is true to us. What he said would happen has happened. And he wouldn't die for us he wouldn't give us eternal life and then just forget about us. He is faithful to remember us. If he is faithful to fulfill all these promises of the Old Testament and to fulfill all that he said that he would do, to die for our sins, to suffer for us, and to rise for us, and to mediate for us, even now at God's right hand, he will not forget us. He's faithful to remember us and to keep us and to guard us and see his plan all the way through to the end where we stand before his presence glorified and see him and, and know as we are known. That's the end of this and he will see it through. Trust him. Even though it might not go as expected, trust him. Well, the mystery of the kingdom is being revealed, but it doesn't look very much like a kingdom right now. And this is answered in the next mini parable, the growth of the kingdom, in verses 26 through 29. The growth of the kingdom. It doesn't look like a kingdom. I think of a kingdom, I think of a palace. I think of a king with a crown, like when uh, King Charles was uh, coronated. That's what I think of in a kingdom. I think of a... a you know, swords and soldiers and um, all kinds of pomp and circumstance. Jesus was standing on a boat, using that as a pulpit, preaching to a bunch of people on the lake shore. And then he goes with a bunch of 12 guys, half of them fishermen, brothers, and said, Jesus, we heard what you said, but we have no idea what you're talking about. That doesn't seem much like a kingdom. Well, the in fact, if you think about it, that's what Pilate, that's how Pilate mocked the Jews when Jesus was crucified. He said, Behold your king. Look, here's the king of the Jews. 
And the Roman soldiers took their took the garments and put them on him and they made a crown of thorns and put that scepter in his hands. All very funny, a big joke. Look at the king. Look at the kingdom. This is hilarious. Well, the kingdom of God is like a, a man planting the seed. And he goes to bed and he wakes up and he looks out on the field and it's just dirt. Looks just like it did the day before. And he goes to bed and he wakes up, goes out, dirt. Goes to bed, same thing, over and over. And as far as he can see, nothing's happening. But by and by, one day he goes out and out of the ground, something sprouted up. Where he planted those seeds, now you've got little tiny green plants peeking out of the ground. Well, how'd that happen? Well, the man might not know exactly how it happens. But he does know if you plant a seed in the ground and you wait long enough, something happens in the ground and then it grows. You can't go make it grow. Once you plant it, you just got to wait. But he knows something's going to happen. And so he waits and out of the ground, the tiny blade grows up and it grows a little bit taller. Then you have the stalk growing and keeps growing and, and then there you have the wheat and you see how much wheat you're going to have there. And then it's time for a harvest and you come in with the sickle. Well, Jesus said this is the way the kingdom of God is going to grow. Right now, Jesus said the kingdom has come. And for all we know, he's the only one that sees it. That's what it seems like so far in the gospel of Mark. He's the only one that sees it. The kingdom has come. John the Baptist gets thrown in jail. John the Baptist is in jail we know from another, and then he says, hey, somebody go find out if this is really the guy we're looking for. John wasn't sure. The disciples aren't sure. Certainly the people in Jerusalem aren't sure. He's instructing the disciples, but they're not getting it. He's telling people to repent and believe, but they're not understanding. It's not the typical way a kingdom would begin. There's no army, there's no palace, there's no flag. The disciples should view the, the kingdom this way, but it's not the way they're thinking. They're thinking about an army of David coming to conquer, riding white horses and swords and, and shields and an immediate conquest of the Gentiles. This is not what they expected. Sitting around a fire, listening to the stories. But the seed has been planted. It doesn't appear that anything has happened. It is dirt. But that seed was planted in good ground. And it's going to grow until the time of harvest. There's coming a time when the wicked is going to be judged. And often you think of that imagery associated with the harvest. Uh, or with uh, the harvest judgment. Um, Joel chapter 3, for example. Um, this imagery of that harvest. Well, let's look there. It's a, a Joel chapter number three. So Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. If you get to Amos, you've gone too far. So it's a few books over from Daniel. Joel chapter number three and verse number nine. Proclaim, proclaim ye this among the Gentiles, prepare war. 
Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm strong. So that's the opposite of what the Lord said to, to his people. They're going to do the opposite. They're going to take their weapons of war into, into plowshares. But they say, you better take your plowshares and beat them into swords because judgment's coming. Assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit and judge all heathen round about. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get ye down, for the press is full and the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth shall shake. But the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. See, that's what the disciples were waiting for. Judgment on the Gentiles. Get ready, Romans, because... Uh, the the king is coming. Freedom from Caesar's rule and dominance. Deliverance from the Gentile enemies. And a good and righteous king to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Jesus isn't saying this isn't true. But that's not how it starts. See, the, the disciples thought it was going to start like this. But this is how it ends. It starts with seed planted in the ground. It starts with the Lord of glory being born and placed in a manger. It starts with with Jesus coming out of Nazareth, preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God's at hand. It's going to happen, but it's going to happen how God planned it. See, you might feel the same way this morning. You might look around and say, why is this world so wicked? When will the Lord set things right? How is it that in just a couple days we're going to be inundated with pride this and pride that? And you say, well, how can this just keep going on? Why does this wickedness How can a whole society be turned into Sodom and Gomorrah? Why does the Lord allow this? We know the end of the story, though. We know that the Lord is going to come back. We know that he is going to return. We know that the kingdom didn't start this way, but it's going to finish this way. It's not time for a full harvest yet. Not all the Lord's people will have come to know him. There's some, there's some little ones in here. There's, there's, there's souls in this room right now that we all pray come to know the Lord Jesus. What if the Lord would have come 10 years ago or 20 years ago? Right? There are souls out there that, that belong to Jesus. And it's not time for the, the harvest yet. Why? Because why hasn't Jesus come? Because it's not his time according to his plan yet. It's also not a full harvest for the wrath and judgment of God. 
God told Abraham that he wasn't going to come and deliver him for 450 years because the, the, the sins of the Amorites had not been yet filled up. Their cup of wrath hasn't been full yet. And God was going to punish them, but he was going to punish them in his time. It's not our job to know how these events are going to play out or why. Our job is just to trust in the Lord and know that all things are happening according to his plan. Think about that farmer for a second. He planned that seed and went to bed. There wasn't anything else for him to do. He didn't know how it was going to grow. He didn't know why it was going to grow. He just knew that if he planted that seed, a plant was going to grow. He knew the end result. He said, I, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to be patient. But even if he did know how, would it change anything? Maybe you did some experiments in school. I remember experiments we did in school about how plants grow. And, you know, there's experiments where you can put it in a bag or put it in a glass and it starts to grow and you can see what it looks like when a plant is planted under the earth and you can, you can kind of understand what's going on down there. But did that give you any power to make it grow? Does that make you a better farmer by knowing that? Or do you still have to get the ground ready and plant the seed in the ground and wait? Even if you know what's happening under the earth, it doesn't make it grow. It doesn't give you any power to make things happen any faster. You just have to go to bed and trust the Lord is in control and wait patiently for him. James tells us in this life, we can be patient in our suffering. Listen to what it says in James 5, 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman, the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. The Lord's told us he's coming back, and he's coming back at his time. Not our time, not through our working, but his. So we can be patient. When things don't go the way we want them to go, we can be patient. We can keep trusting. We can keep looking to Jesus and establish our hearts in the truth of the gospel and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, that he is coming again. He is faithful, that promise. His kingdom will, will march along and come to full fruition, a full harvest, just exactly when he has ordained it to happen. Even if it doesn't look like the way we want it to look. In verses 30 and 32, we have the advance of the kingdom. So looking at where we are in Mark, we might be able to understand why the disciples were a little bit confused. It didn't happen like they expected. Certainly didn't look like victory. And it won't look like victory when their king is arrested and tried and falsely convicted and nailed to a cross and buried in a tomb. They'll see the Lord crucified and despair that it was all over. They lost is what they think. But Jesus tells us what the kingdom is like. It's like a grain of mustard seed. It's about one millimeter wide. It's 
pretty small. But when it's sown, it grows and it grows and this time it grows up bigger than any of the herbs and it has branches big enough that birds can rest in the shade. John the Baptist came crying in the wilderness, pointing to Jesus, the Lamb of God. Then he got arrested. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. He has 12 disciples who are pretty clueless about what's going on. That's a pretty small kingdom. One man and 12 disciples. When Jesus dies and rises from the dead, he ascends and the Spirit comes. And that seed grows and that plant grows and it goes from Jesus and the twelve, and then the 120. When Jesus ascends, you got 120. And then you got thousands. And then they spread. And you got churches in Antioch and uh, Samaria and then Ephesus. And it spreads and it spreads and it goes north and it goes west and it goes south. And it spreads and the gospel is spread and, it, and he preaches. Or they they preach Christ and people believe. And it goes not just to Jerusalem, but to the uttermost parts of the world. And that plant, which was so small, grows and grows and grows. And the fowls of the air, which if you look in Ezekiel and Daniel, um, there's there's two illustrations of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 4 of Daniel and, and Assyria in chapter 31 of Ezekiel, the tree that grows in the nation's or the birds that come. And that's what this is saying, that, that this, this gospel spreads. And I think what Jesus is saying is the kingdom starts small, but the message of Christ will spread, and it will begin in Jerusalem and go all over the world. Look at the message that I'm preaching here, and you're listening to here in West Virginia these centuries later. It's covered the earth, and people from all over have seen the kingdom of God through the new birth. And we can see from the scriptures that Jesus is going to come again. He's going to come again. And then he's going to, he's going to set foot on this world again. And all those promises that were in the Old Testament about the rule of Christ will come to pass. It's just that's the end. Or it's the beginning of the consummation of that. that that's down the road. That's not how it starts. It starts with Christ saying, repent and believe the gospel. Finally, we have the prophet of the kingdom. As we close, Jesus kept teaching in parables. He taught them slowly and surely. In verse 33 and 34, he taught them as they were able to hear it. He gave them what what he wanted them to know in his timing as they were able to receive it all according to his plan. They heard. You know, some people heard the parables and said, oh, that's a nice story. Some people just went in one ear and out the other. Some people didn't understand, and they, what they do? They came to Jesus. And Jesus then would expound all things. He would explain what they meant. This is what I said in the, the parable. This is what the meaning of it. That's what expounding, that's what exposition is. That's what teaching is. And this is what the Lord said in his word, and this is what it means. Therefore, this is what you ought to do. So what 
What happened when someone wanted to know the mystery? They came to Jesus. Jesus would preach. And if you want to know the answer, you come and ask him. And he would tell them. Do you want to know the mystery? You must come to Jesus. Do you want to know, see the kingdom? You have to come to Jesus. Do you want to enter the kingdom? You got to come to Jesus. Receive the kingdom. Receive Christ, rather, and be saved. Though it may not seem like it, the kingdom of God shall prevail. It shall prevail. Jesus is victorious. He's victorious over death and hell. He will reign upon this earth. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. There is eternal life. There is glorification for us. And all who hearken and believe in Jesus shall enter in. Unto God's people it is not to know this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, look to him who orchestrates the greatest kingdom that ever has been or ever will be. Look to him who rules with wisdom and justice and might and power. Look to him to whom all power and authority is given in heaven and earth. Look to him who has the right and the power to grant everlasting life. Look to him who has promised to be with us. Look to our king who has promised to return and be comforted that he has revealed unto us in his word and through his teaching by his spirit the mystery of this kingdom. Look to him and be saved. Look to him to be comforted. Look to him to be strengthened. Look to him to be sanctified. Look to Jesus. And there you will find the the rest and peace for your soul.